Welcome into the Austin Audible's podcast. Matt Prem, Jared Mack on the show on this Tuesday edition uh, of week two of the 2022 football season for the Oregon Ducks. They are, as we all know, 0-1 on the season. Um, AP poll, coaches polls, both have come out. AP, as Jared has on the site, dropped Oregon out of the rankings. And then the coaches poll has Oregon 24th in the country going into week two against the Washington Eastern Washington Eagles, who are 1-0, the FCS team from the big sky. Uh, game Saturday, 5.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 Networks, and we'll have a full coverage preview leading up to that game. But, um, Jared, last time we spoke on the podcast, we did a mailbag, and that mm-hmm. was before Dan Lanning uh, spoke with the media Monday night. And – we got an opportunity to get some good news. Uh, we got some bad news from from Dan Lanning with regards to injuries, and that's we're going to start first here. Um, the good news: Ryan Walk, Oregon starting guard, who did not play in the second half, was replaced by Marcus Harper, was due to injury, knee injury. But Lanning said that he should be back for the Eastern Washington game. Um, the bad news is. Popo Omave, who did not make the trip, is unfortunately likely going to be out for the entire season with a broken foot foot injury. Um, let's start there with Popo Omave. This was an all-conference player, a guy supposed to projected to, to start for Oregon. Um, it's a loss, but I think it's at a position group where Oregon has the depth, and this is why Oregon went out and signed Taki Tiamani from Washington. It's why they added Jordan Riley and Casey Rogers from Nebraska. Um, it's why they went and landed a couple other guys in the high school recruiting rankings, Ben Roberts, Sir Mills, for something like this, if it, if it were to happen. They have the depth to withstand it, but it's a loss to maybe one of their best defensive linemen in the interior. Uh, certainly a loss for Oregon. I think Dan said it as such, and you know he hates it for the guy. And you know we, I think everybody hates it for him just because Popo, you know he he played for a majority of last season. He missed the Alamo Bowl against Oklahoma because of the shoulder. Um, you know I talked to him on media day. He ended up tearing a labrum in his shoulder. Along he Brandon Dorless and Keon Warhudson all tore their labrums in their shoulder. And as a former labrum terror, uh, it stinks. So it was it was great that he came back from injury, um, but it really sucks to see that he's now probably out for the season with a with a foot injury. Uh, Dan said that he was getting um, surgery soon, uh, so that's you know it's not a great sign when a, when you get surgery on your foot. Um, but like you were mentioning, yeah, they have a couple guys that they can um, replace him with theoretically. I know Casey Rogers and Jordan Riley were the two starters against Georgia. Uh, Sam Taimani is the, you know, the Washington transfer. He was first off the pine. Uh, Keon Ware Hudson, uh, you know, all, all those guys can play both defensive tackle or nose tackles positions. Um, they do a lot of defensive line versatility in there. Um, but this is a big loss. You know, Popo was expected to be a, a very much a contributing member of this defensive line. Um, and it was his role and was yet to be defined. We didn't know if he was going to be a starter or the first guy off the bench. Um, but I think it's I think it's pretty clear that he probably would have started over uh, either Riley or Rogers. Um, and if you look at traditional Dan Landing led defenses, they like to have two really like, you know bigger guys up, uh, in the middle with 
Riley or Rogers or Popo. Um, and that's exactly what they're going to do. So this is, this is a big loss, but uh, if there is a position group on the team that losing a player isn't the worst thing to happen, it's definitely defensive line because there's a lot of guys and you saw against Georgia sort of that, yep. you know, Oregon's defensive line will be okay. Um, Georgia didn't really run it up the middle and that was very smart of them, but they, they have bodies there. They have depth. Um, you know, I mentioned all those guys, but you still have, uh, you know, someone like Ben Roberts, a true freshman or Sir Mel's a true freshman or Keanu Williams. Um, you know, those guys are all six, seven and eighth in the depth chart. Uh, it speaks to the, to the, to the depth of that team. Um, at the defensive line position. But going back to offense, uh, Ryan Walk being dinged up. Dan Lanning said it was something with his knee. Um, we didn't see him at practice today. This is yep. Tuesday. Um, did not see him at practice. We did see Jackson Powers Johnson or JPJ, as I like to call him. Uh, he's, he was back at practice, as was Bram Walden. Uh, those are two guys who were missing from practice uh, last week. Uh, both traveled to Atlanta but did not participate, did not dress, were in street clothes the entire time. Um, so th that's a positive development. Uh, everybody else in the offensive line was there, including uh, you know, Kovika Rogers, uh, Josh Carnley Jr., all, all, all the starters as well. Um, overall, just as an attendance or an injury report, uh, the, at practice today for Tuesday, things were very normal. Uh, Jaden Navarrete, outside linebacker, was not there. Neither were Suava Poti and Michael Afaisi. Um, both, all three of those guys haven't been at camp for a, a while now. I want to say we're going on nearly all of fall camp for all three of them. But uh, Afaisi and Poti, we saw last week in boots. Um, I can't remember whose boot was bigger than the other, but someone <laughs> had a bigger boot. Um, but both of those guys seem to be injured right now. We don't have specifics on those, but it's got to be some kind of lower leg injury for the both. And then Navarrete is uh, MIA. Uh, there's no – haven't gotten a, uh, an answer from Lanning about this. So that will be something we keep an eye on moving forward as well. We got some stuff from Dan um, and, and also the offensive players Tuesday, after, Tuesday early – late morning, early afternoon, however you want to describe it. Um, we heard from Sean Dollars. We heard from um, Marcus Harper – the offensive lineman who replaced Ryan Walk in the second half. Um, we spoke with both those guys. We spoke with Dan. And one of the biggest traits so far, and I assume on Wednesday when we speak with the defensive side, it'll be a similar notion that practice was not hard enough going up to the Georgia game, and they need to be better off the edge, and that the culture of this team, the leadership of this team needs to rise up. Um, interesting comments from all three of those parties. Lanning especially was very adamant that you know they did not practice hard enough. They will make practice harder uh, to get these guys better prepared for games coming forward. But I also want to argue, maybe in I don't know whose defense here, but the teams won't, and Oregon won't face a team as talented as Georgia the rest of the way. Dan acknowledged that mm -hmm. you know if you find a team as talented as Georgia, he'd be pretty darn impressed. Um, in, in college football this season. So they have things to work on. Dan specifically has mentioned edge areas a couple times. Um, you did a film review uh, or a formation review, and Eric had grades up from a film review. 
Um, that's probably, in my perspective, the, the defense's biggest area right now is you have to be better on the perimeter because that's where all of the damage came from. And Dan acknowledged teams are going to try and, and emulate that now. Yeah, no, they're they're going to try. I mean, we we talked about this on the last podcast that we did. Georgia did a great job uh, to just directing all of their offense to the perimeter, and Dan wholeheartedly agreed. But you know, it'd be very silly if he didn't because we all saw it. Everybody who watched that game, who um, you know can conceptually understand the fundamentals of football, knows that they went on the perimeter. They made Oregon move east to west, and they and Oregon did not do a good job at it. Um, so it started today at practice. Um, they did, I forgot what they called it. Um, it's a very, it was like a mod box or a mod bracket. Mod bracket was the name. Uh, just a very simple, uh, quick swing pass from a quarterback to a running back out on, out on the edge and uh, a tight end and a wide receiver would have to block a cornerback and a defensive lineman or an outside linebacker. And it was an effective drill. That's exactly what Georgia did basically all day on Saturday and Oregon just replicated it. And they, I would expect that Eastern Washington is going to try some of that. I would expect they they might show it, but not do it. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a really important part of this defense is setting the edge. And I know Oregon has had trouble with that in years past. Uh, I know Utah has taken advantage of it. I know that UCLA has taken advantage of it, especially in uh, 2020 uh, when UCLA came to Odson in the COVID shortened season. I vividly remember that you know Oregon had very very many issues with attacking guys on the edge and along, along the perimeter. Um, so this needs to be something that is, that is fixed going forward. And uh, Dan is, is very understanding of that um, in terms of making practices harder. I'm, I, you know, we don't get to see Jack, but I'm sure those practices were, were, were hard. So, uh, and, and like you said, Matt, I, the odds of them facing a team as talented as Georgia are very slim to none unless they get back into like the Rose bowl or something or the college football playoff, if they go 11 and one. Um, but it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how their defense improves on this weekend um, bat and tackling as well. They got to, they got to sure that up. They got to make more sound tackles that comes down to those, the three, the three early season struggles that you see from college football and penalties tackles. And uh, I don't remember the third help me. Uh, penalties. I said, yeah, penalties, tackles, takeaways. That's it. And yeah. Oregon suffered takeaways and missed tackles. And actually not penalties. They only contributed five penalties on Saturday and Georgia had seven. So that's a positive, I guess. Um, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's discuss some of the comments landing throughout on quarterback play and improved areas he hopes to see week, from week one to week two. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Um, I thought this was a really interesting line because it's not something that you typically hear for a fourth-year college quarterback. Um, Dan Lanning was asked about some of the areas he'd like to see improved with Bo Nix from week one to week two. And the quote goes from Dan, not turning the ball over, obviously that's a big piece. That's where it starts. Operate within the framework of the offense. You don't have to create new plays that aren't there for you to make. You just have to take the ones that are sitting in front of you. 
when he did that, you know, we were effective at times on offense. When you operate outside of the system, it's going to struggle at times. I think that can be for anybody. Um, end quote. I, I heard that. We wrote about it when we got home Saturday or Monday night. Um, but now that I've thought back on it a little bit more, and you mentioned, you know, from the very beginning when he showed up at Oregon, Bo, that's not what you want to hear from a coach about a fourth-year guy. I understand it's his first year at Oregon, but those are lessons you typically hear coaches talking about that a first-time starter or a true freshman or a true sophomore that's playing has to learn and go through, whether it's quarterback or whether it's cornerback. doesn't really matter. Um, and yet here we are with, with these comments about a fourth-year guy. And I'm not trying to argue that Bo shouldn't be the starter, but that puts a little bit more pressure, I think, on the staff to kind of get him right. And I don't know what is right with Bo Nix because – as you said when he first signed up, and as a lot of people, Brandon Marcello, recently just on CBS HQ uh, after that game, this is who he has been for three years. And this is probably who he's going to be for four. I don't know how much you can change here. That's kind of a concern for me. Well, if it's a concern for you now, it should have been a concern for you for a long time. This right. has always been Bo's MO, and we saw it against Oregon three years ago against 2019. He made some very silly mistakes and obviously in 2019 he was a true 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 freshman yeah. made some really silly mistakes but you want to know what he drove that team down the field and won them the game and that's the ebb and flow with bo nix that has always been the ebb and flow with bo nix if you didn't know that going into his tenure dirt for oregon now you know it and and against a team like georgia he's faced many times in his career he has not done very well against them uh, granted, not a lot of players have done very well against Georgia in their careers, and especially in the last four or five years. But with Knicks, I understand what Lanning is saying. I think he's just being very general in that situation. I think he's saying this is what we want our quarterback to do. I wouldn't necessarily think that Knicks did anything crazy at the game. Uh, I thought the deep ball pass to Seven McGee was probably the right move, but you just you, you would prefer to have somebody taller than Seven McGee. Obviously, Kalani's, Kalani Stakes makes a great play on that ball, um, and he you know comes down with the interception. The second pass, just a bad decision. It happens. Yeah. Um, we talked to Sean Dollars about it, but that was Bo Nix's first read. That's what Sean Dollars said. His second read was to dump it off to the flats to Dollars or whoever was on the running back. I think it was Dollars on the play, um, and he just made a bad read. It happens. It's what a quarterback does. Uh, this is still the quarterback for Oregon. Um, if you know, these types of statements from Dan are very blanketed statements. This is exactly what he said preseason. This is what he wanted in a quarterback. Um, that's what he still wants in a quarterback, obviously. Um, and cutting away takeover, or excuse me, turnovers is exactly what Oregon wants. They want the ball in their hands as long as they can because they have a lot of confidence in their offense to be able to move. And when there wasn't a takeaway for Oregon against Georgia, they were able to move the ball pretty well against you know, probably going to be one of the nation's best defense and was a historically great defense last season. So I'm not overly concerned about these comments. I think this is just a very blanket statement from Dan. This is what you want to see from all your quarterbacks. Um, from uh, When he's talking about Knicks in this instance, um, yeah, it's not great that you're getting that from your fourth-year quarterback, but 
Uh, that's yeah, that's just been the Bonex experience. It's it's you know it says a lot about I probably the quarterback competition between Nix and Thompson. And if you want to throw in Jay Butterfield, go for it. But it probably says a lot about yeah, like Nix is turnover prone and doesn't always follow the plays right. But that's our better option here. It's gonna be interesting seeing how maybe we grade the play at quarterback week one to week two, obviously a lesser opponent um, mm -hmm. from a talent perspective so that you would think that should lead to some more success at quarterback and just overall for the offense to finish off yeah. drives. That's kind of what you're, I think what you're seeing here, Dan was asked um, kind of just aside from what, you know, aside from just winning Saturday's game, um, that's the most obvious one that anyone associated with any football team or athletic team that takes the field wants to accomplish win at all costs. Doesn't matter how it looks, just win. But he was asked just kind of his comments of beyond that, what do you want to see? And I thought his, his, the first two words he says, says it all just execution, because that was the biggest fault I think against Georgia was the lack of execution, lack of finishing plays. He mentioned you know, Oregon needed to work on buddy tackling, you know, finishing off tackles well so that they don't break tackles. They didn't tackle very well against Georgia. And on the flip side, finishing off drives, we've talked about at length here on the show that the offense moved the football against Georgia. They just didn't finish and put points up on the board. And so just execution is basically it's an it's a wide sweeping statement, but it covers so much of Oregon's issues is just execution. Um, it's going to be interesting. He, he said, I want to see those DNA traits show up within that game for us. Um, DNA traits, you know, the things that he really stresses, the pillars of, of, of this program. Um, it's, I don't know. I don't want to do too much preview of Eastern Washington, especially without Eric here, but I just feel like this game is definitely, there's a lot to, to digest in this one coming up on Saturday of, the game within the game of execution, efficiency, where, where are guys making improvements? Yeah, there's a bunch there. I think there's going to be a bunch in that department of what we want to see for the rest of the season and in a week to week basis. This is still the first year with Dan Lanning. This is still, we are all trying to figure out what is his way. And we did not get a good glimpse of that against Georgia, but mostly because they played Georgia. Um, you know, I think people might finally be coming around to the situation or, or maybe if you want to say it, the narrative that Oregon ran into an absolute buzzsaw in Georgia and that any team in the country probably would have been destroyed like that um, because that's what happened. And we didn't get to see what Lanning was focusing on. We didn't get to see what developments there were from week zero to week one. Um, I think this. I think the the pessimism or the optimism surrounding the fan base would have looked much different if they were to have played Eastern Washington in Week One, and then Georgia in Week Two. Um, but they didn't, and that's fine. It is what it is. Um, so yeah, execution is obviously going to be a key thing. Um, I think that's stating the obvious for Oregon in their last week is that uh, you know execution wasn't there. It was lacking across all boards. Uh, specifically for setting the edge and tackling on defense, specifically for turnovers on offense. Um, there's just going to be a lot of stuff to follow and watch this year. And there's going to be a lot of stuff to follow and watch this second game of the season as we go into week two. 
Uh, specifically, I'm going to be watching the secondary. Um, you know, Triquez Bridges had a poor performance against Georgia on Saturday. You know, how is he going to respond against Eastern Washington, who threw the ball 40 times last year, last week? So that's, you know, for as long as, as you know, not for as long, but for the last, I don't know, probably decade, Eastern Washington has been a pass heavy offense and they continue yeah. to be so. And this is a young secondary. We talked about how if there's a position group to potentially lose someone to injury, defensive line is it because they are deep. Cornerback is not deep. And yeah. we'll see. And we saw Jaleel Florence, a true freshman, play a lot of the second half instead of Triquas Bridges and instead of Dante Manning. So we'll see if he gets a lot of game. They use four or five cornerbacks against Georgia. We'll see if they continue to do that this week. But that's going to be a main thing in execution is just on the secondary and setting the edge and trying to do all of these things. But I I think and I, I hope as well that we will get a true understanding and a true definition of what a Dan Lanning-led team looks like. Where, one where they have, frankly, they have the ability to win the game because I don't think they have the ability to win the game against Georgia. Real quick, the Eagles threw for 348 yards and five touchdowns. They had almost 500 yards of total offense. Um, 16 of their 25 first downs came through the air. So what Jared is talking about being a, a passing team is true. Uh, even seven or eight years later, after we've most people out Duck Country have become aware of who Eastern Washington is from the Vernon Adams stuff, um, and they've got a senior quarterback running the show here. So they are going to be a challenge for Oregon. We'll have more on that game as the week gets closer. Um, we'll have a Thursday preview, Friday prediction uh, here on the podcast. So until then, keep yourself locked in on DuckTerritory.com and as well as the Odds and Audible's podcast because we'll be back with another one here shortly on the, on the show. But until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Peace.